Hello, and welcome to Flashes of DEI, a podcast where we explore topics and ideas related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And happy start to our second year of the podcast. My name is Katie Matice. I use they, them, their pronouns, and I serve as director in DEI. I'm NJ Akbar, and I am the Associate Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and I use he, him pronouns, and I'm excited to be here and excited for this to be our second year of the podcast, thanks uh, to the lovely brain of Katie, uh, who brought that to the team, so thank you. Thank you. It's a group effort. So National Hispanic Heritage Month is celebrated from September 15th through October 15th each year. And it started as a week-long observation when it was signed into law in 1968, and it eventually expanded to 30 days in 1988. It starts on September 15th to mark the anniversary of the independence of Latin American countries, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. In addition, Mexico and Chile uh, celebrate their Independence Days on September 16th and September 18th, respectively. And so joining us on the podcast are some of the leadership of two organizations that focus on celebrating and advocating for the Latina and Hispanic communities at Kent State. We've got reps from LNC, or the Latino Networking Caucus, and SALSA, or Spanish and Latino Student Association. And you can't see them, uh, but there's a little bit of dancing happening in celebration. <laughs> We're really <laughs> excited, and the energy is uh, definitely in the virtual space. And uh, we want our fantastic flashes to introduce themselves. So would you all be willing to, to share who you are? Yeah, of course. It's great to be here. My name is Aime Flores. I'm a junior psychology major. It's going to be a Spanish double major, so look out for that. <laughs> um, and I'm the president of the Spanish and Latino Students Association. This is my first year, and I'm really excited to be here. Oh, nice. I am Julie Vandegrift. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I am the associate director of data intelligence and technology here at the university within philanthropy and alumni engagement. And I serve as the president for the LNC or the Latino Networking Caucus. Um, I've been involved with that specific ERG for a little over five years. So, nice. and been in the leadership role for the last two and a half, almost three. Nice. And I can't remember if we ever said, but ERG stands for Employee Resource Group. Yes. So we focus on our faculty and staff here at the university. Right on. Pretty awesome. Thank you uh, so much for being here. And so if you don't mind, we're going to just jump right into the questions, get to the fun. <laughs> Sounds good. That's good. That's good. So would you be willing to give our listeners just a little bit more of an overview of your organizations, the history examples of uh, what your group is doing? Would be my pleasure. It's all I do. I just <laughs> never stop talking about salsa. Um, so SALSA stands for Spanish and Latino Student Association. It was started in the 1990s by a group of um, Hispanic and Latino students on campus. Actually, recently we changed our name. It used to be Spanish and Latino Student Association, but we changed our constitution recently, and we wanted to update our terminology to be more inclusive of the greater community at large. So we changed it to Spanish and Latino Student Association. Nice. Um, we are a group that celebrates um, Latina heritage on campus and off campus, and we have meetings every other Thursday at 6.30 p.m. We're always very a welcoming community, so we're here to promote the heritage but not necessarily be exclusive in our 
um, organization and meetings. So if you have an interest in Spanish and Latina culture, you're always welcome to join. We're here, we're a very respectful space of everyone who comes to you know find out what we're about. We do meetings like a dancing event. We want to do karaoke this year. Mm. And as of right now, we're in the midst of our Hispanic Heritage Month celebration. So we're doing events for that as well. Nice. Awesome. Um, so LMC is very similar. Uh, the Latino Networking Caucus, we're in the process of trying to have a more inclusive first portion of the Latino <laughs> Networking Caucus. Um, as you may or may not know, our language is very gender-driven, good, bad, or indifferent, and um, us older folks have a harder time getting things to roll off the tongue so easily. So we're in the process. We're making a little bit of room here and there for that. We have been around well over 10 years, not quite as long as PAPSA, though. PAPSA is another employee resource group on campus. Um, they are the oldest one on campus. We are the second oldest. Hey. And we are comprised of faculty, staff. Uh, we do have a couple of students that stick around here and there that help with pushing initiatives forward. And the rest of our executive board is Karen Watson, Laura Rodriguez, and Laurel wurtz Saloy. We don't meet monthly the way that Salsa does, which is Awesome. I wish we could get back into that habit, but we have a lot of virtual connection. We tend to meet more online right now because the university is very heavily telecommute compared to what it was. Um, so when we do get together, we try to get together off campus. Hmm. So while we help with policy changes, advocating for things like bilingual options on campus and um, including everybody as much as possible, we are aware that our population is a little bit different. It's not just faculty, but it is very heavily reliant on staff as well. And off-campus is one of the better options. It just tends to be to where we can all kind of meet in the middle. Nice. So that's us in a nutshell. And we are in the middle of Hispanic Heritage Month as well, celebrating with Salsa and the SMC, <laughs> and we'll be hosting an event toward the end of Hispanic Heritage Month on October 5th. Yeah. So, I mean, we're in the middle of it, right? Uh, so could y'all yeah. talk about, you know, why it's important for us here at Kent State, especially to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month? So I think Hispanic Heritage Month is a really, really important time to celebrate um, the people who are actively on campus and within that uh, group. For me, I grew up in a place that did not have a lot of like a very high Hispanic population. I think it was even less than Kent State at this point. It was, mm -hmm. I think, less than 4%. And even though the Hispanic population here is still not very high, I wouldn't call 4% like a huge upgrade per se, mm -hmm. it's still important because I'm seeing people my own age and people in leadership positions succeed and have aspirations outside of what people may think of as stereotypes in the community. And mm -hmm. celebrating this month is really important because I feel more at home. I feel like people are more willing to listen to my background and my stories, even outside of this month. And the more that people talk about Hispanic heritage within this month means that there's uh, platforms opening up outside of this month mm -hmm. for us to express our background, our communities. It, I think it raises visibility here at Kent State and like beyond. I would absolutely agree with that. I, you pretty much just, you summed up what is so important about it so well. Um, Thank you. I try. <laughs> I know that when I, when I was growing up as well, there, there weren't, there weren't brown folks. It just wasn't a thing. Um, and if 
you identified as, you know, other as what we used to be considered, that option really wasn't there. So the fact that we have that option and it's visible now compared to what it used to be is huge. You know, you representation matters. Mm-hmm. Seeing yourself and seeing others that identify like you do, uh, do well, that's that's a big accomplishment, not just for, for professional settings, but also for our students and for our younger students that are, you know, in those K-12 settings right now. So it, it makes an impact. It absolutely makes an impact. And it's not just within the Kent State community, but also beyond that, spotlighting these these voices that didn't used to have a voice. It's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. That, that is a big deal. And I appreciate both of you sharing that. And it really dovetails into our next question. Uh, when you think about celebrating and honoring Hispanic uh, Heritage Month, uh, can you share with us what can people do to honor uh, this month and celebrate uh, the culture, especially those who uh, may not be from the culture, but want to celebrate and honor you and your her- heritage in any way? So I think one of the most important things is just education. I am never going to fault people for a lack of knowledge, but I will fault you for not willing to educate yourself on new topics and having an open mind. So yeah. I think it's really important to, when you're coming into this month and into a space that you're not as familiar with, um, just be respectful of the community because we're here, we're trying to you know, spread uh, the love here. Mm-hmm. And I don't wanna have to constantly explain my existence or my culture. Mm. And I love talking about it, but if it comes across as though you're just looking to me and my friends and my community for answers, I feel like you could use Google just as easily as you could ask us these questions. So I think it's important to, if you just have like a question or idea, just make sure to do a little quick Google search and then come to us about getting the more in-depth details of what it's like to be us on campus because we're always willing to talk about it, but we don't want to explain every single detail of our lives. (laughs) Yeah, I think I may touch on that really well too. Um, Google's a great tool. (laughs) There are lots of books by authors, whether they be uh, fiction or nonfiction. There are voices out there that can tell a lot of the stories that our community may have and recognize that Hispanic Heritage Month encompasses more than just one or two or three countries. Um, Mm -hmm. And each country that celebrates is so different. Uh, We don't eat the same foods. We don't listen to the same music. We don't have the same culture, practice, religion, like none of that is homogenous in any way, shape or form. It's all very vibrant, very different. So while it's great that we're celebrating, realizing that you can't necessarily lump everybody together, Mm -hmm. um, that's part of the education piece. So take the time and maybe ask yourself a few questions internally before blurting it out, just like how you would with any other month. Um, And realize that we celebrate all month long. So it's not just this month either. I mean, it's it's all year for us. Just because something is celebrated from mid-September to mid-October doesn't mean that we don't have other celebrations throughout the year. And it's not usually the Americanized celebrations that tend to come to mind either. Yeah, we don't stop existing after October 15th. We're here all year Mm -hmm. round. We're always celebrating our background. Correct. Heck yeah. And not everybody speaks Spanish either, by the way. Just just a little tidbit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so 
So part of celebrating and honoring is educating yourself, right? And as you were talking about that process, you brought up some myths around Hispanic and Latina communities. Are there any other ones that you'd like to kind of speak to? <laughs> there was a, a visible reaction for folks listening in. <laughs> I can't speak Spanish. I can tell you little tidbits and I can understand some of it. Um, my grandmother crossed the border every day from Juarez to El Paso. And when she moved up north, when she was in her early 20s, you weren't allowed to speak Spanish. Mm. That's just how it was. Um, so if if we spoke anything other than English around her, it was not a good day. Um, mm -hmm. You just you just didn't. So there's a lot of the haves and the have-nots. My family is definitely the have-nots because Northeast Ohio was not a hotbed for anything at all when it comes to Hispanic or Latina communities until I'll see I don't think I even saw kids that looked like me until I was in middle school mm. at least so I mean you're talking at least the 90s that's just it, it was very whitewashed it was mm. very very whitewashed so not everybody speaks Spanish um we don't celebrate Cinco de Mayo mm. <laughs> okay i can give a little context on what cinco de mayo actually is it's the celebration of a battle in the 1800s uh through between mexico and i think the french and we mm -hmm. don't celebrate it if anything if you do celebrate it it would probably like a very very regional thing mm -hmm. that in terms of like is this significant to mexican and the greater latina culture no if anything, the Hispanic Heritage Month is more relevant because it's the celebration of um, Independence Days from all of, I think, Central America, uh, Mexico, and I think Costa Rica. So that, that has more significance to us than Cinco de Mayo ever will. Yeah. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that because, Julie, you did mention something about Americanized holidays, and I thought that's what you were referring to, but wasn't one of the <laughs> You know, in, in our world, we like to claim it and name it Absolutely. And, and say what it is and then we can move forward. So I appreciate that uh, education and I may uh, appreciate you educating us on that. So if I could ask, if you think about, um, you know, our spaces here at the university and even outside the university, so whoever's listening, um, you know, how can we uh, make our spaces and places more inclusive and welcoming to Latin and uh, Hispanic communities? So I think it's important to talk about um, this year's Hispanic Heritage Month theme because we haven't hit on it just yet. Yeah. Um, so the Hispanic Heritage Month theme was thought up as a collaboration between the Student Multicultural Center and Salsa Us by <laughs> ourselves. Um, so I collabed, helped collab with the SMC on this one. So the theme for this year is Todos Unidos. For those of you who don't speak Spanish, um, it stands for all of us. But the whole idea when coming up with that is that there's actually like another meaning that you can assign to this title. It could also mean all within us because todos, comma, mm. unidos would mean all within us. So it is all of us and all within us, which is a celebration of intersectionality within the Hispanic heritage. Hispanic community here. Mm -hmm. This is so good. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to highlight um, within our Latina and Hispanic communities and spaces that you know are welcoming and trying to be more inclusive with us to highlight um, those of us who are 
maybe caught in the crossfire of intersectionality because it's really difficult to, you know, find a community within these spaces on campus if you don't feel like you're being accurately represented. So we wanted to highlight intersectionality this year because we know there's people that are Afro-Latina, people that are in the queer community, the LGBTQ community, and in part that are also Hispanic. There's people that are mixed um, between different countries in Latin America. And even being an American and being like Mexican-American, being an Honduranian-American, those are identities that intersect with each other. Being mm-hmm. American and being Hispanic is a completely different experience than being Hispanic and living in Latin America. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important this year to highlight all of the people that are, you know, that identify as more than one identity, because I think that is a way to make this place a more welcoming and inclusive place. Just yeah. make, sure, make sure that everyone on campus feels like they are seen and they are heard. Yeah, the recognition of the whole of someone, yes. not just a part of them. That's what Todos Unidos is. Yeah. I got chills. <laughs> that was good. Ooh. <laughs> you all hit it out of the park this year. Um, <laughs> and I may kind of uh, mention this, you know, you it is because for so long you you had to pick, Right. And if you think of all of the forms that we all have to fill out, whether it's for school or work or, you know, sitting at the doctor's office, you have to check boxes. And we don't have a racial identity when we're when we're filling those forms out. They classify us as an ethnicity rather than a race. It still gets whitewashed or it still gets plugged into where you're African-American instead. It's a lot of instead of you are this. And that's hard. Trying to figure yourself out, that's that's not easy. So having that space and having the theme this month, like I may had mentioned, is it is relevant, it is important, it is needed. So I'm I'm glad that this year's theme is what it is. It's it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Thinking about more about what you both all just shared, like how do we set up demographic questions uh is it a one checkbox or is it a check all that may apply when we are um celebrating certain identities are we making sure to include folks who have multiple marginalized identities right like are we are we actually putting this um this whole picture forward right because I don't know. I think about this a lot in terms of I've done a lot of like queer stuff, right? So if your queerness is only really focusing on white, non-disabled queerness, then your work isn't really doing that great, right? Like you need to pay attention uh, to these multiple marginalized identities because in order to truly move forward, we need to all move forward together, right? I had the same thought maybe about a year and a half ago, maybe close to two years because of the pandemic. I was Mm -hmm. just thinking. I did a little bit too much thinking. (laughs) And I think I had a kind of a a similar epiphany. I feel like what if we just asked people how they identify? Like instead of just having us check boxes, I feel like it'd be easier to just ask people how they identify. Mm -hmm. Because there's sometimes identities that we wouldn't think of putting on there that Mm -hmm. pop up and... I think it'd be a really great way to see how people view themselves rather than how other people would view them. Because that's what I think the ethnicity and race boxes are for, is how other people will view you. Mm. But how do you view yourself? I feel like it'd be a much easier and inclusive question to just ask, how do you identify? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, and I don't know about I may, but I don't, I don't identify as Hispanic and I don't identify as Latina as much. Latina more than Hispanic, 
but my family is primarily made up of Mexican-American indigenous roots um, with some European in there too. But I identify much more as being Mexican-American than I do Latina. And I identify as being Latina more than, way more than I do being Hispanic. Yeah. Man, demographics are such yeah. a mess. Why do we even do it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know why we do it because that's how we get yeah. funding. Yeah. We like to bucket everything. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it easier. If heavy on the air quotes on here. But I think they were really emphasized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I appreciate uh, this conversation. And this isn't a question we were going to ask, but since, you know, part of what I do for our division is, you know, our data and assessment and strategic planning. So part of that is we've been leaning towards, as Katie said, to making it more check all that apply type mm-hmm. options instead of making people pick just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you bring up a great point I made about uh, asking people just to tell us how they identify. So I'm wondering, as you both said, shared some really interesting points about identity. As you think about, you know, completing your uh, surveys or whatever that you have to do always at the university, like how does it make you feel when you have to pick white and then Hispanic or I don't know, all the different choices. The one or the other aspect? Yeah. So it makes me really uncomfortable to have to pick white. And usually I don't. I just leave that question blank and just click Hispanic or Latino because it's it's just acknowledgement of colonialization, I think. Yep. And I don't want to give Spain that credit. My culture, despite being heavily influenced by Spanish culture, it's so distinct from what that the original colonizers are. And having to say that I'm white and Hispanic makes me feel weird because it, I feel like almost erases whatever indigenous part of me there is there. I don't know how much it is. And I honestly would just rather know where rather than how much. And I don't like to say white because it doesn't encapsulate all of who I am and all of who my ancestors were because I sometimes I don't think they had a choice in being white. Yeah, I think that's powerful. Absolutely. I don't, I don't like checking the boxes. I'm not a fan of checking boxes in the first place. So <laughs> um, I do check white, but I also check Native American. And I also do check the Hispanic Latino box. Um, and that's because my dad's side of the family is, aside from, from the indigenous parts, uh, his family is very heavily Irish and very heavily German. And enough so to where I can trace it back just a few generations of them actually migrating over. So my story is a little bit different when it comes to that. But at the same time, I honor my indigenous part of my family because I can actually look at my great grandmother and go, oh, okay, well, she was a member of this specific tribe. So I don't know, I struggle with that every time. I guess it's kind of robotic at this point. More so than sharing my identity, it's making sure because we all know how budgets work in the university anymore mm-hmm. and federal funding and all of that fun stuff that goes into it. Um, I try to do the check all that apply, <laughs> if that makes sense. It does. Thank you for sharing. Sure. I just bring up one more thing real fast. I think this is something that I saw a lot in high school when I was taking like AP tests and SAT and ACT tests. 
so I, I'm sure that the, like, any of you would really know what this is like since I was in high school, like the last three years. But when I was filling those boxes out, they would really have like, right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. <mean> to. <laughs> I just want to make sense that they've made a lot of, a lot of really big changes to these tests in the last couple mm. years. So I feel like I have like a little bit more recent experience with it. But when they're, you're checking out those boxes, they have all of the usual ones, Hispanic, Latino, and then they would make you check if you were like, what country you might be from. Mm. So they, I put Mexican because that's the only one I am. But it didn't. This one made me feel a little weirder checking off hmm. specifically like what that. country I was from because it made me think, well, why are they wanting to know mm. that? Are they trying mm-hmm. to like discount what all of like our experiences or our backgrounds because of where we're from? It felt a little too specific. Yeah. Because if you're doing that, are you checking like making any other students right. check what migratory country they're from? Yeah, like it and just see, that's where I have felt a little price. predatory. Right. Yeah, right. And that's like a, I don't like you that. know, what, where is this information stored? Who has access to it? These are all mm-hmm. good questions to think about as you're putting information out there or gathering information. Right. People use that information in a variety of ways and not all of it in inclusive or justice oriented ways. It can be dangerous for us to do that. Who's going to be knocking on my door with that information? Like, why do they need to know? Yeah. And then what happens if you have absolutely no idea? Right. So. Don't really tell right. us. Yeah. I want to close us out with a question about resources and how do people find you? So what other resources would you like to shout out that people can tap into to learn more? Or if you're part of Hispanic Latina communities to get connected and how do people specifically get connected with your organizations? So Salsa meets every other Thursday at 6.30 p.m. in the Student Multicultural Center. Aside from that, you can follow us at KSU Salsa. We're actively posting. We're doing member takeovers. So things are really exciting for that as well. Um, we're not the only, uh, I'm going to say we're like the most prominent Hispanic organization on campus. But if you are involved in theater, there's Latinx in theater. If you're involved in fashion, there's also Modista. And the International Student Council also is actively promoting stuff for international students. So if you don't always feel like you identify with Salsa, there's something else there for you as well. Nice. Yeah. And so to connect with LNC, it's really simple. You email us at lnc at kent.edu. We have a Teams channel. Uh, we have listserv that we keep. If you identify as being international, there is an employee resource group for international faculty and staff. So there's that as well. Um, and all of us are online. We're all on the human resources page. You can get to us from there. They're all direct links for the different employee resource groups. Cool. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. And thank you both for being here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We are so appreciative that you're here. And thank you to everyone uh, for tuning in and listening. And if you're interested in learning more about us here in DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, feel free to check us out on our website at kent.edu slash diversity. And if you've got a topic you'd like us to discuss, feel free to email us at diversity at kent.edu or connect with us on social media at DEI Kent State across platforms. We'll see you next month with a new episode. And bye, everybody. Stay well. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>